No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. All righty, we are live here. It's a wonderful Saturday. Weather is fairly nice. I guess you would say fall is coming in and tax season is upon us. October 15th is a major deadline for all of us that like to procrastinate or just the reason we like to extend it so we can actually put more money into our SEPs or our 401ks, which can be extended to make payments if you're self-employed. So there's a couple strategies we need to think about. We all know I always talk about, I mean, it seems like I'm always talking a year behind. Obviously, October 15th is for everyone that hasn't filed and filed an extension, but basically we're talking 2019. Meanwhile, 2020 is going to be probably one of the most unusual tax seasons I've seen in 25 years, which is how long I've been doing taxes with the CARES Act and all those different things happening. You know, there's been some, some changes. Something I haven't talked a lot about um, is during the CARES Act, they authorized an above-the-line deduction of $300 to donations. So you do not have to itemize to take $300 of donations. So you'll take your standard deduction plus $300. So if you haven't given to charity this year because you're always like, well, you know what? It doesn't change. I can't give enough to make an, a difference as far as itemizing. And some people you know, it, it's part of the conversation. If I, you know, if it's not a tax deduction, maybe I don't do anything with it. Well, it comes down to it. It's going to be this simple. It's going to be that you can give up to $300. Do not itemize. Furthermore, increase um, your charitable contributions or monetary gifts up uh, in 2020. So you might want to think about giving, but the $300 is going to be above the line. So that is a kind of an important thing that happened during the CARES Act. Again, it's a 2020 situation. 90% of my clients give more than $300 in a year, no matter what. But if it's a year in which you haven't, and I realize for many people, this has been a very difficult year. Keep in mind that sometimes, uh, you know, doing this as far as giving charity, this is going to be an additional $300. So if you're at the 10% tax bracket, it will save you 10, uh, it will save you $30, right? 10% of 300. Um, if you're at the 15 or 20, 20, it'll save you $60. So, you know, depending on your tax bracket, it's going to put a few more dollars in your pocket. Uh, small businesses are facing extremely, um, unusual days, right? Um, and we need to probably do more tax strategizing than we ever have. PPP money is coming in. Um, many of you, and uh, jumping around a little bit, but I do want to make sure we talk about the Tennessee Business Relief Program. Um, there are quite a few people that I keep getting information on that there isn't anything going that direction. I mean, they did not know it existed. They're getting some letters and they're not really sure. So keep in mind, you have to have had a 25% drop in income and you have to have been within certain types of industries. Most of them are tourism or, um, 
uh, restaurants, florists, you know, those kinds of the ones that had direct, most importantly, some pretty direct, um, losses because income had dropped drastically during the, the lockdown and everything else. So many of them had some additional hardships compared to, to be honest, my business, I was fortunate, um, give or take a couple of weeks, we were able to continue doing everything that we've always done. Uh, so we, we wouldn't be eligible for something like that, but I do have people in the restaurant industry especially that were eligible and it's somewhere between 25 and $10,000. Most of my clients are um, million dollars or under as far as their gross revenue. If you have more than a million dollars, I believe it goes up to 25 or 30,000 if you're in the higher dollar amount. So it's something you definitely want. You do have to have a business license or sales tax number. So they have to have a way of justifying that you actually did file this. So if you're a small business owner that haven't uh, maybe filed a business license or filed with sales tax, keep in mind that this isn't going to apply for you. But strategizing, buying equipment, I have always been a firm believer if equipment is needed, if it is something that is going to generate us more money, then definitely use the money. Consider a section 179. Um, you can currently deduct up to like $1 million uh, in eligible costs as long as you're, you're threshold is 2.5 million year income. The, again, most of those numbers are way outside of what the everyday working person has. Your business can claim 100% of first year bonus uh, depreciation. Um, there is some other depreciations out there and there's also uh, qualified um, QBI, qualified income for small businesses. So what you want to consider though this year, again, we have PPP money. We also have a lot of EIDL money that's come into these small businesses there are certain things for that you need to make sure that you're doing. PPP can be forgiven, um, and you need to work on that process because I believe most people now mid um, to late October will be the 24-week window, and you do, in most cases, you have to do it before the end of the year or after your 24-week, whichever comes first. Um, so you, you're going to get that forgiven if you've done everything correctly. Small business owners, independent individuals that are, um, they got PPP and unemployment. Keep in mind, you've double dipped. If you're trying to claim forgiveness on your PPP, but you collected unemployment for a period of those weeks, you're not going to qualify and be very careful. You answer those questions correctly. Um, not trying to, you know, scare you too, too much, but there is a lot of things going on. We've all heard the stories of the, I call them idiots, but the people that, you know, just took advantage of the system, went out and either lied to the government See. I have a really hard time. I know there's people that went out there and said they brought Lamborghinis and Ferraris with all this money and all that. But I mean, we've been working with small businesses since early March, as far as working with these different programs. And we had to provide all kinds of documentation, you know, 941 schedule C's. We had to have proof that this income existed or these, uh, this payroll existed, whatever it might've been. So I'm not too sure exactly how these individuals, unless they just fraudulently created documents and put them in the system, I can't imagine how that would have worked. But then again, you know, we're, we're not working on a, a fantasy world here. We're trying to get and keep my clients in business. And that's, what's really, really important. Uh, for small businesses, we also want to talk about retaining good workers. The CARES Act provided federal income tax credit equal to 50% of qualified wages paid to employees between March 20th, the uh, March 13th, 2020 to December 31st for the purpose qualified wages include the first $10,000 wages per each one. 
The, to be eligible for this credit, your business must have either fully or potentially suspended operations during 2020. That is an important part. Many of my restaurants, almost all my restaurants, and almost all my businesses, to be honest, give or take one or two of them, never suspended operations. So you would not be qualified in this particular situation. Now, if you were my bars that are downtown Nashville, those um, completely got shut down, completely locked down, furloughed some of the people, but some tried to keep their employees on. So they did not have to go on to the unemployment. Those would be the ones that would be good candidates for this, uh, credit that would be available for them. So it's like $5,000 per an employee that they could get an extra, uh, credit. Of course, all of us could have postponed payroll taxes, at least the uh, 6.2 a social security, uh, on the payroll that we had up until December. So for March 27th through December 31st, 2020, I'm going to suggest being really careful with some of these kind of things only because the last person you want is a loan officer. I mean, it keeps me in business guys, but to be quite honest, you don't want the IRS as a loan officer. You really do not. What you do want is to make sure that they are uh, being paid and you know, there are rules. So if you defer the, uh, the social security in 29, uh, 2020, excuse me, you have to pay the other half of whatever you deferred. Let's just say you deferred $30,000. You'd have to pay 15 by December 31st, 2021 and 15 by December 31st, 2022. That is making a great assumption that those two years are better and that you don't end up in a situation, right? So if you've got questions, um, we're having a little technical difficulty here, but, uh, you can join the show here, but right now, why don't we take a quick break, see if we can get this squared away and we get back, we'll take some emails, texts, and hopefully some phone calls. You can reach us here in the studio at 615-737-9986. Hopefully I'll be able to hear you guys when we get back. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday show. Alrighty, we are live here in studio. Well, I guess it's my studio nowadays. You never know how that works. The whole world is virtual and any technical difficulties we had was all on Friday. Apparently, I did not have my speaker set to be able to hear the show. So we are back. Here we go live and we are ready. Why don't we see if we can get Chris from White House on the phones? Okay, and I'm not hearing again. I'm on the right speaker. I'm not hearing. What did I do wrong now? Oh, he's not saying. <laughs> okay. Hey, Chris, you there? Hello. Ah, uh, there you are. See, you have a little technical too, because at first I thought I lost the speaker again. You had to be there. I'm blonde. Hey, Chris, how's life? Uh, I have not got my stimulus check yet. So life isn't very good because it would be really nice to get that $1,200, wouldn't it? Um, yes. Okay, so let's go through the basic checkoff. You were not an, uh, a dependent of someone else in 2019, correct? Correct. Did you file your own taxes? Yes. How about in 18? Did you file taxes? Yes. So you've answered all these questions how many times? And I guess the last one, have you called that 800 number that's uh, supposed to tell you where your stimulus is? Yes. Uh, and what did they tell you? On the website. 
Have you but tried calling the phone not number? Not enough information. That's what they said. There's not enough information. Not enough information, right? Not enough information. Well, at this point, as I've told a few other people, I'll share that with you because it's absolutely worthless information. Um, is that you're going to be claiming it on your 2020 tax return, and you'll be able to get it. The downside to this is I'm absolutely, I'm not absolutely sure that if you owe back taxes or anything else, that they're not going to try to apply it to any outstanding balances. Right now, the only thing they can apply it to is back child support. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you don't have back child support, correct? Uh, yeah, I don't have anything like that. But I will okay. tell you, uh, I did uh, make a slight calculation, miscalculation on my taxes. I was on addition. There was $200 mistake. Oh. So I only got my taxes back about three weeks ago. And I filed on March the 13th. Ah, so somehow in the system, because of income information not matching, uh, nowadays they do a pretty good, well, they're getting better at it. Um, they put a hold on your return. They finally got it fixed. They gave you, they charged you, assuming you made the mistake, they didn't. So you've now gotten your refund, but you've only just gotten, but you, if you filed on 18, you know, this is the kind of information I don't understand. If someone files 2018, my understanding was they were using 2018 as the original you know, uh, distribution. And then they changed it, you know, to people that hadn't filed 18, then 19 would be filed and they were using 19, but I don't quite understand how that works. If you filed 18, I mean, you know, I've got several callers, so I, I'm not understanding their system to be honest with you, Chris, as far as, you know, how that's um, not helping you, but hey, it doesn't I'm make any sense I'm, to me. <laughs> I'm Bruce, by the way, not Chris. Oh, I am Bruce. sorry. <laughs> right. Gosh, it's one of those Saturdays. Okay. Let me tell you, I'm calling the person the wrong name. And hey, That's no fine. worries. You know, um, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just yeah. a one. Thank you for calling, though. It's a great question. And I know there are thousands of people that are still listening and, and that haven't uh, received it. And at this point, we don't have any. That, I mean, if you've called true. and you've looked online, there's really nothing more anyone can do. For whatever reason, there's a, a, a group of people that are not getting those those checks. And I don't know they what they are because, mailing, you know, it's crazy. Are they still mailing out checks to anybody? They, uh, My understanding that they were mailing them out till the end of September. So this would be, you know, the last couple of days of any checks going out. I haven't heard of any extension of check being mailed out or anything else. Um, and with the elections coming up, you know, there's a lot of talk of a second stimulus and all this, but I don't think anything's going to move until after November 2nd personally, or maybe a little after okay. that, if they use the mail-ins. Okay. Yeah. Mine all is right. all mail. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. That's all right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. All right. Okay. You are listening to the Dr. Friday show and we are live as you can tell, because if I was recorded, I probably would have had to re-record this. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about, if you want to join the show, it's awesome. That'd be great. 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, taking your calls, talking about all kinds of interesting things. Um, as many of you guys know, I'm an enrolled agent licensed with the internal revenue service to do taxes and representation. That's kind of all I do. So if you haven't filed taxes for a number of years, if you have issues, you get in the love letters, liens, levies, 
you know, and you're wanting to try to get some resolution to that situation, then you need to give me a call or you can go right to my website, drfriday.com, set up a tax appointment. Everything's labeled a tax appointment, set up an appointment. And then in the memo say, you know, back work or you're needing to do resolution or every first meeting is free unless I'm doing preparation or something. Uh, but the initial meetings are always free so that we all can be on the exact same page and know what we're doing and how we're going to do it. So, um, I don't, come up and as soon as you call me say, Oh yeah, let's cost the $3,000 and let's start billing that now before I've pulled your transcripts and have any idea if I'm going to be able to do any kind of resolution for you. Because believe it or not, even though I have done, you know, 20 years, we've had some really great settlements. We've been able to have resolution on many people. Not every case is going to get a resolution and it takes time. If you really are serious about wanting to do it, you might as well figure it to take us about a year to get a resolution through the system. It's not something that's going to happen fast. It's not something that I've had people come in. I've had people wait to get married because they want to make sure the person they're marrying doesn't have any tax issues. They wanted to bring that into the marriage and they've had to delay it in some cases. It's intelligent to make sure you understand and know what you're doing and how how you're doing it versus just winging it. I had one come in and they're getting married in like 30 days and they wanted resolution and that's impossible. The only thing I could have gotten you is a payment plan, which wasn't going to work in her particular situation. Uh, but you know, so even though the person you're marrying doesn't take on theoretically your tax debt, what they do take on. And in many cases that person works, the IRS has a cost of living per a household, per a family. And if, you are now merging with someone that makes as much, if not more money than you, guess what? Your entire paycheck now in many cases could go to the IRS as a hundred percent check. Um, versus if you're supporting yourself, you're living on your own and having to take care of yourself. Now that money's going to be reduced because there's a cost of living involved. So getting married or having someone else take care of those issues. Also divorce. Here's an interesting conversation. I know to me, it's interesting. Who knows? But if you're thinking about getting divorced and you have tax issues, my suggestion is if it's at all possible to get resolution before, because what can happen and we have helped happen is one of the people will come to us after. And if they don't have enough money, they can get resolution as a single person against that debt. And guess what? The other person who may have a, even have a court order by the divorce saying that they have to pay the taxes may not have to pay those taxes because the IRS does not look at court papers as a legal document as far as who is responsible for paying the tax. If you were married at the time and you both filed those tax returns, my, you know, you're both equally responsible for 100% of that debt, not 50% of it, 100% each um, person. So if there is something else, my suggestion is if you're going to go and get divorced and you have a tax issue, you would mandate that that person maintain a payment plan, just as some people suggest, um, life insurance or something else, the payment plan. And they have to prove either every month or give you online access. So you can always pull up the, uh, the transcripts but something that shows that those payments are being made because if not, the surprise to you will be is when your employer gets a love letter from the government saying you're now having to uh, start making payments out of your paycheck, which can be 
two thirds of your paycheck. So you go home basically with nothing. Uh, and then they require you to set up a payment plan because of it. Um, and you can go to the courts all you want. The IRS is not going to care. You are now the breadwinner, especially if it, the other person is a uh, self-employed individual, much harder for the IRS to collect on them because they don't have a simple W-2 or a standard employer. Sometimes they have multiple employers. So, you know, making sure that you have the ability to do something along those lines. 2020 for many people might be actually a great year for you. And one of the years that you might want to consider um, putting money into a retirement account. Now I'm a caveat that with, I am not a financial planner. I don't sell financials. I don't have anything else that I need to deal with on that. I'm talking solely for the purpose of taxes. And with taxes, what we're looking to do is reduce your tax bill and make it work. And to do that, um, one way to do it is to put money into either a simple, a SEP, a single member 401k. Now, if you have employees, you're going to be limited to certain things that you can do, but even putting money away in a IRA or 401, uh, an IRA may be a good plan. Now I'm always going to suggest talk to a financial planner, someone that's got a little bit bigger spectrum than your tax person. Cause all we're looking for right now is to be quite honest, instant gratification, right? We're looking for things to just go pretty much straight out and make it work for us. So we'd be able to, you know, move things and do things. All right. So we're going to take our second break. And when we come back, we'll get to your phone calls. You can join us at 615-737-9986. If you need questions on taxes, or if you haven't filed taxes for a number of years, where to get started, I can help you with that. 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. Alrighty, we are back live here in my home studio. And for all of you wonderful listeners, if you want to join the show, now's the time to pick up the phone. We're halfway through 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. So let's talk about a few kind of unique, uh, I got an email this week and it was an interesting question. I find again, taxes are always fun and exciting for me. Um, can I avoid state income tax? And this particular person lives in New York City, just to let you know, um, and, and wanted to know if they can avoid income tax. They don't live in New York. They live in New Jersey, but they work in New York. So since I'm having to work from home uh, in New Jersey, and my basic answer on this is New York and California, A, unless the, uh, I mean, because right now there is a great argument that the this is because the employer has mandated you to work from home. And if that's the case then sometimes you don't have to pay certain things. But New York has basically come out and they have said that just because you're working from home, we're still considering you New York employees because you work for a New York employer and that you're still obligated to all the state, county, in New York, it's almost street uh, tax. So, you know, my advice to them was to go ahead and remit it. If something changes by the time we get ready to file 2020, we can always make that argument when we get ready to file, but to always make those estimated payments, um, really want to make sure that you guys are making your quarterly and estimated payments 
totally important to do um, because penalties still exist. Even though the first two quarters didn't hit till 715, we still had the 915, which just passed us. And now we have the 115. All right, Danny, are you on the line? This is Dr. Friday. How are you? Hello, Danny. I am awesome. Good, good. Um, I own an uh, entertainment company here in, in Nashville. We do uh, DJ karaoke. Okay. We got promotions teams. And we've been basically shut down since March. Yeah. Um, I have tried to, you know, I, I got a little bit of the PPP money, but I mean money-making months between March and October yeah, which were basically exactly. non-existent this year. Existent this year. I am... Um, I, have tried to apply for additional grants. Um, I've, I've got two different business licenses, one on the promotion side, one from the entertainment side. Um, when I've tried to, I've tried to put in my tax ID number. I've tried to put in my business license. Um, and it, it asks for the last uh, sales One of the last three payments that you made. Yes. And I, I put those in, um, and it says there it doesn't match their record. <laughs> Even though I can go back to my where they, you know, to tap to account, my you can look, physically look at it and say, okay, I know exactly. Yes. Now, are you, and I'm sometimes you need to put in if there was any late fees or anything, you need to put the exact dollar amount that was paid. Not saying that that applied, but I had that in one of my cases. <clears> the only reason I was using what we originally paid, but they had paid it a little late and there's some additional fees on one of them. So that mm -hmm. would be the first thing. The second thing, in my personal opinion, um, double check and you can call because I have on these and said the same thing. I've had some that that's exactly what happened. We have the right account number. We have the, the name we know we operate. I mean, it all shows under our regular tin tap account, right? I mean, it's not like we're mm -hmm. making it up. We've got the information. Um, and it doesn't match. And a lot of times they'll, they'll give you, um, uh, they'll tell you what's not matching. They're able to see it for some reason. They can say, no, you put in the wrong zip code. That's not what we're showing, even okay. though it is what you're showing. Um, um, so my suggestion is to call uh, Tennessee Department of Revenue on Monday morning and okay. um, see if you can't get them to have uh, the possibility of calling them. And I'm going to give you, if, are you driving right now? Um, I am, but uh, um, I am actually pulled over. Okay, so, so the phone number you're going to want to call is the 615-253-0600. Yeah, and, and just call and just tell them you're trying to get through the, uh, you know, the Tennessee Relief and the certificate won't verify for you. Okay. And um, they'll connect you to the right department. But I have had them, and they 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 are very helpful. Once you get someone on the phone, they usually, so far, have been able to get verified, at least to find to get to the next page, which has you fill out the information about have you had twenty five percent. You are a perfect candidate, and you you should be able to get it if you have two business licenses. You should be able to get them under each. Okay. Oh, uh, what, what was that number again? My my pen. That's went right. Down. That's that's fine. No <laughs> problem. Two five three. Okay. Zero six zero zero. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Good luck on I that. I will call them Monday. Thank you If you need you help so much. after that, give me a call in the office, and we've got some friends over there. Might be able to help. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you Thanks. so much. Bye bye. All righty. Let's go right along and talk to. I think it is Tim. Where are my glasses? Hey, hey Tim. Dr. Friday. What's happening, bud? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Um, first of all, I want to give you a plug. I'm a customer of 
figures, and this lady is incredible, people, so <laughs> use her. Um, my you. daughter, my daughter still has not gotten her stimulus mm-hmm. or for her two children. And I heard you mention mm-hmm. earlier to a gentleman that if we can't get it, which I've tried everything, mm-hmm. um, then she'll get it back on her 2020 return. How does that work? So there's already a new, I mean, they, they're showing some demos of what the new tax return, there's a line on there. It's going to ask if you received, how much you received. And then in her case, she would say zero. And then they would give her the credit of, was it a thousand? If she's got two, uh, 500 for each child and 1200 for her, right. so 2200 um, or something like that. If, if the children right. are under the age of 17, if they're older yeah. than that, then they may not qualify, but either way, she'll put all that information in. There's going to be a line and they will add back into her deposit into her refund. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Friday. You're the no best. problem. Thank you for calling Bye. Tim. Appreciate you. All righty. And we're moving right along here again. If you've got questions guys and you're, you're not sure I'm, you know, again on the stimulus, I kind of feel a little bit like I'm not able to do a t- whole bunch on the EIDL, the PPP and the Tennessee, uh, business relief. I'm a little stronger on because we're filing and living those every day. Um, the stimulus, even though it's dealt with by the internal revenue service, really all they are is issuing the checks. So they've got this whole separate division doing it. Um, and, and like I said, 2020, they have already put on there. Now the question's going to really be fun. Now, let me clarify right now that the stimulus money is not taxable. Okay. So the question's going to be is in some cases, people got too much money, their children, you know, either were already turned 17 and they shouldn't have qualified or, um, or somehow they got money for a person, someone else. But either way you look at it, they um, should not, uh, it's not going to be taxable. So my understanding is there's no taking it back. So if you got too much money, you'll be okay. Um, If you didn't get enough, which is the ones I'm more concerned with, then those are the ones that we need to get a hold of and, you know, just making sure. But there is going to be a line right on the tax return. Um, Many of you guys filed taxes back in, what was it, eight or nine? We had something similar to this where they also had, it was a lot smaller. I think it was $600 a family or something, but there was a stimulus back then and we, we had the same process. All right, let's hit Jackie before the break. That way she didn't have to hold through it. Hey, Jackie. Good morning. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. What can I do for you? My brothers and sisters and I, we purchased their mom's house in uh, 1998. But she Mm -hmm. kept a lifetime, um, whatever, Mm -hmm. on it. And she passed in 2012. And we just sold the house, uh, just closed on it Thursday. What do I need? Because uh, what I understand is I'll have to d- establish the cost basis for the house as of of uh, 2012 when she passed. Right. So we need to have, ideally, and a lot of times real estate agents are awesome, they will pull comps based on the, the months surrounding mom's death. So whatever, they need to be roughly around the same time mom passed away. Okay. So whenever that was in 2012, ideally get two to three comps and then that would be our basis. And then based on your percentage, and I would share that with all the family. I mean, like everyone used the same numbers, um, makes life a lot cleaner as far as I'm concerned. Um, so hopefully it was worth more than what you guys paid for it. 
Uh, but yes. that's going to be your basis is 2012 and then whatever you sold it for now. And it could be that it was worth more than that it is now. Who knows? Now, did you guys yeah. rent it out or something between 12 and 2020? No, what happened was is our younger sister, uh, she lived in the house until she passed in August of this year. And we didn't use oh. a real estate person. We sold it ourselves. Okay. So, um, so even though mom had a, a lifetime estate there, you guys allowed the sister to continue to tell something. I mean, sorry about the loss yeah. of your sister and mom. It's been a little, um, but when she passed away is when the house really became available for you guys to sell. It sounds like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, if you don't, uh, Zello, um, um, property taxes never as good as what I prefer, but, or call, um, sometimes there's some really cool real estate people that would actually work around those kind of things. And if you call my office, I have a couple that may be able to give it to you, but if you want, just use property tax. I mean, that will always have a value. It's not always the right value. Sometimes it's too low for me, but it would give you a, you know, a trail, something that you could use for justification. Yes. Cause we're going to probably be hit pretty hard because we, uh, my mom, we basically paid off her mortgage on her mm -hmm. home. And then, so we sold it for a lot more than what we paid for it. Well, what you paid for, it doesn't make a difference is what was it worth in 2012? Okay. So whatever it was worth in 2012, because you had that lifetime estate, even though you paid for it in 98, you basically get a step up in basis because you were unable to actually process with the lifetime estate. Okay. That was my so, understanding. I just want to make sure so I could go ahead and get busy and get the paperwork in it. place. No problem. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. All righty. So we're going to uh, take another break here in just a few minutes. And remember, if you're dealing with, and like Jackie, I mean, life happens, guys, and you need to make sure, uh, I don't know how many family members are involved or anything, but make sure the ideal situation is a lot of times we'll have a uh, Schedule E prepared. And if there's multiple people that file on that same rental, or in this case, this would be a capital gain situation, long-term capital gains, um, and I'm sure there's going to be a decent gain still on it. Uh, at least, at least making sure you're all using the same basis is very important. At least that way you guys can all justify it and use the information, uh, that came to you through either uh, research of property taxes, or like I say, getting a real estate person that might be able to pull some comps, whichever works. Um, so if you want to join the show, we're going to have a few minutes, uh, about 10, 15 minutes left after this break, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We're going to take your calls and then we're going to tell you a little bit about some other tax changes that are in the making. So we're going to be right back with the Dr. Friday show. live for you guys on the station and we're having an awesome show i want to appreciate all you guys calling in and we have two callers we've got don who is first then we'll get to david hey don what's happening well dr friday i uh, thank you for taking my call and uh, i am 77 years old and i bought a two-bedroom condominium in madison tennessee uh 20 years ago Mm -hmm. And I paid seventy-five thousand dollars for it. Okay. And it was a a, a pre-construction price, mm -hmm. and I have had it rented uh, every month 
all of those years, but with the exception of three months. So it's been a great investment. Sounds like now, it. Now, the question is, is that uh, I just spent $10,000. The, the renter moved out and on a two-year uh, mm-hmm. lease. Lease. And I have decided I'm not going to. Uh, I'm 77, and it's time to give up the rental business. And so I'm going to. It's been listed for 150,000, and I've just put 10,000 in it uh, in the last two months, putting new carpet, paint, uh, toilets, and appliances, and to get it in top shape. What are what are my tax consequences? If I sell it for 150,000 less than 10,000 uh, repairs. Well, um, the question is, I mean, since you've had it, it, you never lived in it. It's pretty much always been a rental property, an investment property, maybe is a good term that you've had, correct? Yes. Um, so, what year did you purchase it in? Uh, Used it to was 25? Uh, 21 years ago. 21 years ago. Okay. So it's probably almost fully depreciated as far as the property. Um, so, you know, we're basically looking at closing cost fees and the $10,000 you've put into it less. So let's just say that you, between the two, you've got about 20,000. So you're still going to pocket about $130,000 and I'm going to be nosy and give me some ballpark of what your income is. Just it doesn't have to be itemized, but what ballpark are you in as far as before this? What income do you make every month? You know, like Social Security, uh, pensions, all that. If you add all that up, what do you have roughly? Uh, 10000 a month income. 10000 a month. So you make around 120 a year? Yes. Okay. So you're, and you're married or single, sir? I told you, I'm going to get nosy. Married. Okay. Married. Is that is that for both of you combined? The, the 10,000 a month. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you're basically already exceeded the, the, the free uh, thing. So you're looking at, you're going to be, so here's the deal. If you guys exceed $250,000 with the profit of the, um, the sale, you're going to get hit with an additional 3.8% tax on everything. that's above that 250. You're going to be really, really close because some of that money, I'm, I'm thinking at 77, some of that money is your Social Security, which we're only taxed on 85% of. So you might be able right. to squeeze underneath that. Um, but uh, if you keep squeeze underneath it, you're going to be at the 15% tax bracket. So you're going to pay 15% okay. on whatever the the profit of roughly 130000 Okay. Okay. So it, it is considered the 130000 is is the total right this yeah the 75 without looking at depreciation schedule and 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 back in those days it was like 27 so there may be a little bit of the uh the original purchase in there but worst scenario is you basically have the 10,000 plus closing cost fees that's worst scenario when you go back and look at your uh your tax return, or if someone does it, they'll have a recapture depreciation situation on that. But I'm, I'm making the assumption that most of that, if not all of it, is almost gone at this point. Okay. And, and my <clears throat> thank you. And my last question is, why are you called Dr. Friday? Well, I have a PhD in economics, and my first name is Friday. So it's a little more catchy than my last name, which is Burke. 
So okay. Dr. Friday Have hangs out day. a little bit more. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> no problem, boss. Bye Thanks. Bye. Okay. Let's see if we can hit David real quick, if he's still on the line. Yes, ma'am. Ah, thank you so much for holding. What can I do for you, boss? Well, I got a little uh, kind of situation and a question I want to ask you about. Sure. My, my wife's dad in Mississippi built a house in probably, two, I mean, in 83 or thereabouts, 83, okay. 84. And he, he was a carpenter contractor, so I have no idea what he had in it. He mm-hmm. uh, put it in my wife's name. She's an only child uh, in 2001. Uh, he passed away in 2017 in March, and it's sitting there, and we haven't been able to do anything for a lot of reasons, health-wise, and we live in Tennessee, and it's in Mississippi. And what uh, what kind of situation am I going to be in? I have a man that wants to buy it, and uh, he, he's thinking in the area of somewhere around 150000 for the place of it, it actually has about 12 acres with it. Oh, okay. So he's he's actually looking at the benefit of the land as well as the house may still be a very nice place. I'm just saying the land doesn't hurt. So it's got some value because it's got dirt. Right. Um, but, okay, so did the dad have a life estate? Was he still living in that home? He he was. He lived in that home until he, right before he passed away, but it was in my wife's name. She's an only child in 2001, right. so I believe. He he it's put it in his wife. And this is always a bad idea. I know why people do it. Do not get me wrong. But the problem is, is that at the time that he did it, he eliminated the step up in basis by doing that. And again, I know why people do it. They want to make sure their children have their assets. Right. But, but she's the only you know, child, so... Yeah, and so the man wouldn't have changed it, anything, but he, he did what he did. And you have no he, idea what the value of the home. Well, I would go back and look at um, the nice thing the about tax property taxes are is that yeah. you could go back to the beginning. Okay. So go back to 83, 84 when they started assessing him, and that's what you're going to have to use as his original investment. Really, and then what? How is that going to affect us as far as tax? Uh, Unfortunately, it's going to be a lot like the prior caller. I think you're going to find back in the '80s, and he he paid for it himself. He's got thirty or forty grand into a home that's now worth 150. You know, that's right. my guess. Um, so, so whatever we're that be is, the on difference above that pretty strongly. Yeah. So the difference between those numbers is going to be your capital gains. Capital gain from whatever it's worth when he built it, whatever yep. it's worth when he assessed it. Does 2001, when it was put in her name, have It'll any make effect a difference. On, the, on that? He eliminated the step-up in basis, so the value of the home is what he paid for it, not what, what would have happened when he passed away. Oh, so it, it goes, it reverts back to what he so, paid for it. Now, don't so get me we, wrong, he's we, probably done some improvements and things, but we have no records of any of that. Right, nothing at all. We just know that he was a contractor and he built it himself. Right, so you know we're probably gonna, but I would just go back and see what the county assessed him on the value. It may be a little bit on the high side, but all in all, it's going to be the best that we can do uh, in the tax law. You know, in this case, the tax law allows us to do the best of our abilities. So I think they would accept, and then I think you're still going to find that you're going to have a very large capital gains. 
because I don't think and the homes were worth that much in Mississippi us, back in the 80s. right off of the taxes here in Tennessee. Right. Then you'll write them off My on tax. your federal taxes. Thank goodness we don't have a right. state income tax. Right. Our lady that does our taxes will just have to file something from Mississippi to do that, or will it be just She will. Since do? it's a miss, so, so say you will file a, uh out-of-state return and have to pay tax on the gains of that home in Mississippi. Mm. And that'll be a pretty large percentage, you think? Yeah, I was trying to look. I think it says here the income tax ranges between three to five, if that helps. Um, so it's not bad, but it's still another 3% or so on it, which is painful. Right. I understand. Sorry, okay, sweetie. thanks, Dr. Friday. No worries. Thank you, sir. Okay, guys, we're almost at the end of the show here. I believe I have to go to 850. Uh, I mean, sorry, 5850. But um, so if you want to reach me, you can always call me at my office on Monday, 615-367-0819. Again, 615-367-0819. You can email your questions because sometimes that's the easiest way to do things. And the email is Friday, like the day of the week, at drfriday.com, Friday at drfriday.com. If you need to set up a tax appointment or consulting appointment, go to the website, the Friday at drfriday. I'm sorry. The website is drfriday.com. Too many things going. drfriday.com. Click on appointments, set up your tax appointment. That way you can always get a, a, again, my, my initial meetings are always free. Make sure we're all on the same page. I can also set up tax appointments if you need help preparing your taxes, business, personal, or estate tax returns. Uh, again, if you want to reach me, 615-367-0819. Hope you guys have an awesome Saturday. Copulator.